Hello, this is Michael, the producer of the Redeemed Hearts podcast, where we encourage you to allow God to transform you mentally, emotionally, and relationally by living from your redeemed heart. Your hosts, Worley and Danina Kennedy, are licensed professional counselors and are the founders of Redeemed Hearts Ministries. Welcome to Episode 17, Part 4 and conclusion of our series entitled, An Ongoing Need in America, Good Fathers. Hey, if you haven't listened to Parts 1 through 3 yet, I would encourage you to do so before listening to this Part 4. Hey, I know that you're used to hearing an excerpt from this week's episode right now, but this week we wanted to do something different and encourage you to check out RedeemedHeartsMinistries.com. There you'll find blog posts and more podcast episodes from Worley and Danina. Worley and Danina want you to know that they are available for speaking. If you're a pastor or a ministry leader and would like to have Worley and Danina speak at your church, a retreat, a conference, or you'd like to do a custom special event with Worley and Danina, please reach out via the contact page at RedeemedHeartsMinistries.com. We're so glad that you're taking the time to listen to the Redeemed Hearts podcast today to learn and grow and invest in your spiritual life. So without further ado, here's Worley and Danina today. Welcome back to this final and fourth podcast in An Ongoing Need in America, Good Fathers and What It Means to Be a Good Father. And today we want to discuss the direct actions that a father has with his children, and then we'll close with how a father impacts others' lives beyond his own children. And so in our very first podcast, we discussed that being a father is a huge responsibility. It's not just being a figurehead in the lives of the children that you just kind of go through the motions. Um, the dictionary definition of being a father is to impregnate a woman and then the offspring that comes from that. It is so much more than that. And we we talked about the fact that some, you know, especially young men might get married and not really believe there's a whole lot more to it than that. But as time goes, mm-hmm. conscience and experience tells a man there is something more that's going on here. And we've also said in that very first podcast that being a good Father is possible for all men. We want this to be encouraging to fathers out there and to mothers out there that um, you can be a good father. And the reason we believe is that God calls himself Father and that he is Father in the Trinity. There is a Father and that he teaches us in his Scripture and that he calls himself a Father to the fatherless and that point we made was that many men grow up not really having a model or not understanding what it is to be a good father. Well, everybody can, whether you had a a good father or not. And so that was basically the, the very first podcast. Yes. And we also discussed that at its foundation, a good father must have a growing relationship with God. I mean, it's personal. It's ongoing for him. And a good father must also be maturing in his own character in order to be a good father. And a good father is somebody who will love his wife. And uh, even, I would say, those who have you know, been through a divorce, that even the way they treat their ex-spouse in those situations uh, is going to show up because of his character. And so basically, that, that, that covers a review of our first three podcasts. If you haven't listened to them, we encourage you, go back and listen to those. But today, we want to get to the really practical part of this, and it's taken us this many podcasts to do so, of what 
what do I do with my kids? What do I actually hands-on do with my kids? Many fathers, that's what they want to know. And um, we're going to get to this, uh, the direct actions a father has with his children. And so the very first one that we want to mention is that a father thinks a lot about the way that God has made his children. Proverbs 22, 6 says, Train up a child in the way he should go, even when he is old or she is old, uh, he will not depart from it. And this verse speaks beyond giving a biblical or a moral direction that God intends for them to have. The phrase speaks of learning and understanding a child's way, his or her makeup, or even gifts or skills. Now, there are certain biblically influenced directions that the Scriptures give to us. There's common sense rules that a father has that you do with all your children. It's the same for all of them. But within what you do for all of your children, it's important to understand how your child is unique and give direction to them accordingly. So basically, this is saying we have to become a student of you know, each of our children, because they have different personalities, and with that, they need to have different training. Our two children have very different very, personalities, yeah. and what consequences worked for one, um, you know, often crush the spirit of the other one, and so uh, we really needed to study our kids, and it's important. We know this as as Christians. We know that our children each have a bent, a natural bent towards sin, I mean, we were, they were born with it, and so we must address that, you know, sin nature in them, which, you know, ultimately, and we'll talk about later, comes with even making sure we introduce them to the gospel. But um, in, the, in the how to address that sin, that, that's going to look different based upon their different personalities. And I think a parent can just look at, at one child with a very stern look, and they fall apart. Um, because they're just their bent is that they are pleasers. They they want to uh, come through and please their parents. While another child may have such a high need for control that they just power up. These are important things for us to think about and know. Um, think about how does your child process their emotions. It'll be very different for each child. Um, do they know how to process their emotions? Uh, how do they live in their external world? Are they a leader? Or are they a follower? Are they people-pleasing and have a high need to get things, you know, right? Um, Are they perfectionistic? Uh, So they're really hard on themselves, just have a real inner critic about things. Do they just want to have fun and be with their friends and be social or just, you know, always be around you when they're little as mom and, you know, mom or dad because they're so social? And are they most concerned about, you know, maybe their child that's most concerned about keeping the peace? So... They struggle to find or, you know, maybe use their voice. Maybe they're the child in the family dynamic that never really speaks up. They're just the go-with-the-flow child. I mean, these are all just a a few examples of really important questions where we study our, you know, study our kids so we know best um, how to parent them according to that. And as they get older, we're looking for natural things that they're good at and talented at and can help them in a career path. But one easy free tool really that you can use is to take the uh, love languages test and you can go on there at fivelovelanguages.com 
and let your children take that or your teens take it, use adults. And then, you know, that, that'll even just be a way that you can see uh, how do your children give and receive love. And that could just be a simple, easy way to start in knowing your child. Yeah, so this first point is <clears throat> that we think about the uniqueness of our child. And I would say, you know, because you've given a lot of really important information, this isn't just the father's job. This isn't just the mother's job, but this is something we do together. This is one of the this is one of the ways that you and I connect and have a lot of enjoyment mm-hmm. in the and always have in the discussion of our children and how God's made them and and talk back and forth. And I need to value what you see and you need to value what I see. And I would say, if you're a father of a of a young family, make sure that you and your wife are talking about these things. Mm-hmm. Um, wives, if if your husband isn't, then then ask him to. But fathers, you need to be involved in thinking about this for your children. So that's the first one. Let's go on to another one. A father cares about the spiritual lives of his children. So as a follower of Christ, my ultimate goal as a father is to help my children know God. We as parents, it's our goal to help our children be introduced in God come to know God. It's Ephesians 6, 4 says, specifically, fathers, don't provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. And then in the previous uh, point, part of training up a child in the way he should go is to teach and encourage a genuine spiritual life. Kids need to know about sin. Kids need to know about grace and forgiveness in and through Jesus Christ. Kids need to know the stories of the Bible in its general flow. Kids need to know the character of God. Kids need to see that our spiritual life, their spiritual life, is a way of life in a relationship, ongoing relationship with the personal God of the universe. Kids need to hear prayer and learn how to pray. Things like this, that a father provides leadership for the family, and it should not be put off on the mother. And so then this next point um, that carries this thought is that the father should teach his children and take responsibility to see to it that your children are taught. Um, And this is natural to some But I don't want to assume that everyone either does this or understands this. You need to teach your children and and specifically teach them the the principles and the things from the Scripture. If I had only one book that I would say to read my children, if I could only choose one, I'd say Proverbs. Mm. And that I would do it over and over and over again. Mm. And the... Truths there are usually very straightforward, they're simple, and they prove themselves over and over in our lives. So what I, why don't you read Proverbs 4, 1 to 6, and just hear what uh, Solomon was, was sharing about a father's involvement with his kids. Hear, O sons, a father's instruction, and be attentive that you may gain insight. For I give you good precepts, do not forsake my teaching. When I was a son with my father, tender, the only one in the sight of my mother, he taught me and said to me, let your heart hold fast to my words, keep my commandments and live, get wisdom, get insight, do not forget and do not turn away from the words of my mouth. 
Do not forsake her, and she will keep you. Love her, and she will guard you. So there's a pattern here. Solomon received it from his father, David, and then he turned around and he's passing it on to his kids. And I'll tell you what, kids want to hear from their parents. They um, they want to hear what their parents have to say about life. Um, all kids do. And even if, if you know, your child is hard-hearted or rebellious, don't think that your words don't provide value. And now we've already talked about the character you live with and that you can discount your words and your instruction if you are hypocritical in the way you live. But the point being, your kids need and want to hear from you. And it may be archaic or boring to some, but I believe our kids listen to us even when we don't think they're listening. Mm -hmm. And we've seen this over and over again with young people that we've counseled. And Mm -hmm. there's a strain in the relationship with their parents. The kids are still listening even though they're maybe not responding. So your words, your, your, your efforts here are not wasted. Um, and if we don't put some, put into them, someone or something else will. And it has to start young because part of us capturing our kids' hearts so that they want to hear from us. I mean, we'll talk more as we go through this, but I mean, we really have to start these patterns. Yes. You know, young. And I'd say, so in all of this of what we're saying today, you may need to put away some of the other distractions your kids have. You may need to devote time every evening or several evenings a week where you spend at least half an hour and you just talk to your kids or you read to your kids, read them Proverbs. Don't, and even if it seems like they're not listening or they're, they'd rather be somewhere else, Make this a part of the experience. And you're really still doing this with our adult kids right now as you're, uh, right, I mean, currently you're picking a different scripture every week Mm -hmm. and giving it to our kids to memorize and and memorizing it with them. And the the key in that now as our kids are adults is is they they have um, responded when I've offered to do that. Mm-hmm. I'm not forcing them. It's something they want to do and it's something they value. And so that's very encouraging to me, of course, but um, it it didn't start now. It started years ago in just the relationship of, you know, passing on this very important information. So under this heading, we're saying a father teaches his children. I heard a, an example a few years ago that I thought was really good, that our kids make or form convictions and make decisions in life out of what is the library of their brain. So if you visualize their brain as a library, when we teach them things, that information gets filed like a card catalog in a library. And then when a situation comes up, they go to that, they're in their brain to that card catalog to try to retrieve the answer. And if we've not put information into them that goes into a card catalog, when they're asking the questions that life is bringing to them or they're going through experiences, they have, they have nowhere to turn or they'll go to something that somebody else has provided or it may not even be right information. And so that's what we're doing. We're just, we're filling their library of their brain with information that then gets filed so that they have God's word and God's wisdom to draw from as the time comes. And there's so many things out there. I mean, as you just, as we think about uh, 
I mean, not only, it used to be we only really thought about if we're not doing it, their peers are doing it. And of course, peers are still doing that. But now we kind of have the whole world. We have the whole world on TikTok. We have the whole world on, you know, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube. Um, You know, I mean, I'm often counseling kids who are involved in going to different, um, you know, it used to be chat rooms. Now they have um, communities online that they find and are part of. And and for this purpose of this podcast, I would say, dads, do not leave this up just to mom. This is something you have to take serious and, and, and see to it that you and their mom and positive influences are being putting into their lives. We've always encouraged our kids towards their grandparents. Because that's always been another source of information, and we're so grateful mm-hmm. that that our kids have had a relationship where their grandparents have been able to share things that we um, wouldn't have shared, or maybe they've taken in a different way. But you want to see to it that your kids are taught. And we've also often prayed for other kind of younger mm-hmm. adults. Yes in their lives to be putting into them. And and uh, both of our kids have had numerous. Yeah, they've had, uh, you know, other people, so. So the next thing is we keep going here is a father disciplines his children. When the Scripture speaks of discipline, it's not speaking of punishment. Rather, it speaks of training, addressing foolishness, getting to the heart of matters through thoughtful consequences that then in turn lead to better attitudes, to better thinking, to better behavior. We're after their heart. We're training them. That's what the word discipline means, or it's disciple. And so, but it includes correction. It includes consequences. And at a young age, it very well will include, you know, a, a swat or perhaps a spanking, as the scriptures would call for. You have to be wise and have yourself under control when you, you give those um, forms of discipline. Um, sometimes it's other kinds of correction, like timeout and such. But the point being is a father has to, you know, use his sternness to make sure that his children are disciplined. I know of a young Christian family right now that rarely disciplines their child, um, and their children are young, and they bought into some kind of philosophy that says to do so is harmful. And so they just try to reason with the child. And those parents are going to have a lot of trouble as their child gets older because young children don't have the capacity to reason. They just need to know right from wrong. They need to know what it means to submit to authority. They need to know that there's consequences to rebellious attitudes and behavior. But fathers, see to it that you provide good discipline for your children. And part of this, even in that example you've given, is that part of the brain, uh, the part of the brain that does the problem solving and makes decisions based upon thinking cause and effect. If I do this, then, you know, this could be the consequences not developed until the age 25. So if, if there are not adults, if there are not parents... Um, that are doing the teaching and the training and the discipline, then really, as parents, we're setting our kids up for failure. I mean, our our, our kids can't do this for themselves fully. We want to help them begin to do this and learn how to think for themselves, but it has to start with us in this manner. 
And I think a, a few things as you discipline your children, it's important to, uh, I mean, we're, we're kind of just saying some real general things here, but to be clear, to be caring, to be consistent, to be logical, and to be positive. So to be clear first is be clear about what your expectations are. I mean, what are your rules? What what do you expect of your kids? Many kids we see are exasperated and frustrated and angry and hard-hearted because the rules are this one time and, you know, different another time, or they're not really sure what their parents are asking. So be clear about your expectations and then be clear about what the consequences are ahead of time. I mean, we'll sometimes in counseling sit down and do a parenting contract where the kids are even involved in coming up with those consequences so that it will just uh, eliminate the anger and the quarreling, fighting, because we know these are the rules. We know these are the consequences. And um, that's why the, you know, the next part is important to be caring. Um, I mean, we we want to be uh, people who, you know, listen, parents who listen, who can validate our children's feelings, care about, you know, how they think that might be different than how we think or feel. Um, but we want to validate our child's feelings and thoughts without enabling the bad or sinful behavior. And uh, we can, you all can, as parents, do both things. And then the next is be consistent and be logical in your consequences. I mean, if you're clear with your expectations and you're clear about your consequences, I mean, it is detrimental to the kids as, you know, when they don't get those consequences. Those consequences give them security. They give them you know, a feeling of safety that there is somebody that is bigger than them when they maybe want to break all those rules, but they really sometimes are testing to see if um, there's somebody out there that can make me feel safe. So those those are important to be consistent. And then, um, you know, to be logical with the consequences. This is where, um, as parents, we want our punishment to fit the crime. Um and, you know, sometimes we can be really logical and have that be, uh, I mean, that's real simple what that's going to look like. Other times we, we have to think through that a little bit more. But um, so be logical and then be positive. Um, kids need to know that you're also looking for the positive things they're doing and you're telling them. You're not just thinking it, but the, some of the things you're working on, you're saying, hey, you know, buddy, I just saw that every time I've asked you to, you know, do something today, you have obeyed me and you have done that. And thank you. I mean, it's just sometimes as parents, we only point out the negative. So be positive. And then sometimes some kids' personalities, according to their own bent, they respond better to positive reinforcement even more than they do the negative consequences. And so that's, once again, important in knowing our kids. Yeah, and and so again, fathers, see to it that your children are disciplined. Um, talk to your wife and wives to your husbands about what you're doing. Um, it is hard to discipline. It never feels good to have to correct your child, especially you know the the worst the act you know the behavior is, and you're having to correct it. it doesn't feel good, but it's all the more important, and, and you need to encourage your spouse in this way and and talk about it so that you're working together. Well, and sometimes, 
you know, the reason we don't give consequences is we're tired. And, you know, I can remember thinking, you know, if I ground my child from this, um, I've just grounded myself from that. Or, uh, I mean, that there's going to be some suffering on my part, even the battle I may have to go through with this consequence. So sometimes, you know, in our own um, weariness or sometimes uh, selfishness or busyness, not wanting to, you know, really having the time. Uh, we don't want to go through what it might cost us to do this. And yet um, it, it it's important for our relationship with them and their safety and well-being. And God commands this. And I want to read a few scriptures, not just brief ones from Proverbs. So this is the reason we do it, because God commands it, but he does it for a reason, and and fruit comes as a result of this. But Proverbs 22, 15, folly is bound up in the heart of a child, but the rod of discipline drives it far from him. Proverbs 23, 13, do not withhold discipline from a child. If you uh, strike him or spank him with a rod, he will not die. Proverbs 29, 15, the rod and reproof give wisdom, but a child left to himself brings shame to his mother. And then Hebrews 12, 11, for the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later yields a fruitful, a peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who've been trained by it. So fathers, discipline your children. Let's go to the next one. A father does not frustrate his children, but delights in them. A father has a built-in power and influence in the lives of his children. A lot. He is a powerful person in their life, really mm-hmm. through their whole life. I mm-hmm. uh, see adult men who are tough men who have are still impacted emotionally by their fathers. Um, to a lesser degree, their mothers, but but really both parents have a lot of power in your kids' lives. A father can get under a child's skin, and therefore there must be balance to discipline in the seriousness of of teaching about life. Colossians 3.21 says, Fathers, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. That word provoke means don't irritate or don't frustrate. I think one of the balances, though, to discipline is to have fun with and do activities with your kids. When kids are small, you might just play with them and wrestle and read books and uh, go on walks and all kinds of things that you might do, playing games. remember one time with Elise, when she was small, I let her fix my hair, and I just remember the response she had. She just loved it, and it was it was nothing for me to do that, but it was just to— um, Give gives you know balance and enjoyment to just see how she delighted in doing that, throwing a ball around, going fishing, doing homework. Uh, there's many many activities that you you can do, fathers, with your kids throughout all of their ages. But it's important that you do that, and I think in doing so, then that helps you as you provide teaching and the you know the seriousness that goes with discipline. And it really doesn't take a lot of time with kids. We know this with our kids, but I mean, really from just, you know, 23, 24 years of counseling, mm-hmm. I just think uh, the feedback we get often is, is I mean, just 
you know, dads who take their kids to breakfast once a week and just spend that time. And it's focused on one kid at a time. I mean, big deal to them. Mm -hmm. Uh, Sometimes I'll give parents assignments to just sit down with their kids and do something very intentional, you know, with them for, you know, 20 minutes a day. That's not even that much, but it's it's focused playing in their world, um, letting them determine, you know, what you're going to play, not you. And I'm just, you know, making that choice um, daily. And it also makes me think about just when you said about balance um, between discipline and, and delighting in the kids is really, uh, you know, the saying that rules without relationship will equal rebellion, on one end of the spectrum, but then if, uh, you know, too many rules and, but you're not doing this relationship building can cause a, you know, heart to get hard and rebellious. But then if you just want to be their friend and their, you know, good buddy, and you have relationship without rules, that that often will breed confusion and just a chaotic calm because they don't have that structure that gives them that stability and safety um, and your goal is really that relationship with rules will equal respect and uh, responsibility. So, you know, just working to keep rules and relationship balanced, um, you know, as you've said it here, working to keep discipline and delight balanced uh, is, I mean, that's just a really great thing. And it'll, it will protect kids from becoming, their hearts becoming discouraged, um, despairing or no hardened hearts. Good. Very good. Well, the next one that I have here is a father provides and protects. And I make these, I do these together for a reason, and I make this toward the end of, of our talk, even though we've got a few more things to say here. But but because but I do this towards the end because at one time this was what many fathers thought was expected of them. I would do this while well, I provide for my family, what else do they want? Or, you know, I know it's my job to protect them, and it is. It's both of these. Um, these are important things. Um, but there's a quote from fathers.com that says, Providing financially has been a key aspect of fathering through the ages. Until about half a century ago, almost all that was expected of a father was to protect and provide for his family. And so while they are not all that's expected. They are extremely important. First Timothy 5.8 says, If anyone does not provide for his relatives and especially for members of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. And so, oh. so fathers, we can't be lazy. And we have to bear this weight that goes with seeing to it that our family is taken care of, and 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 so it and it, and it but you, you got to have your priorities in order. You you can't think, well, I'm just going to give them everything, and then that's all you do is work. It may mean that you go without certain things, or the family goes without certain things because the what you're able to provide, or you and your wife together are able to provide. And so what it really means is you just provide leadership. You are a leader in, in the provision that God is, is enabling you to give for your family.
this makes me think about some, you know, families of divorce, how, you know, sometimes because of the, you know, battle between the husband and wife, sometimes the fathers don't even do this part. Mm. They don't pay their child support. Mm -hmm. They, you know, are trying to get back at the wife, and yet they're not providing for their children in that and then when their children are with them, you know, maybe they're just buying them everything they want, mm-hmm. but they're not really providing for their necessary, mm-hmm. you know, daily, weekly, monthly needs. So that's what, a pretty serious verse. And what I what I think is important, fathers, is that we're in tune with the financial parts of our family, that we're in tune with what it takes for the household to run, that we're not just turning the finances over to the wife and letting her do all of it. It's fine for her to do it, but we have to know what we're bringing in and what's going out and have conversations and work together in this and have priorities for what we're going to do with how God's provided through us. And, you know, you work together and you figure this out, but that's that's part of being a provider. It's it, Because in today's world, Many, many, if not most, husbands and wives both work, mm-hmm. and that's fine. It's just fathers, you need to provide leadership in this. Uh, see God as your ultimate provider. It's not all up to you. It ultimately is God and what he chooses to provide through you but uh, and, and your wife, but that you must assume responsibility here. Um, this makes me think about as parents, we can't just live in the moment. I mean, and many parents will think about the future financially, like in, in this category, what we're talking about, and start saving ahead of time for years for college for their kids. But they don't necessarily think about their heart or they don't aren't necessarily thinking about um, you know, capturing their heart, mind, and will for God and God's purposes, capturing, you know, doing the work required for character building. And I know one thing that we've always done, um, sometimes probably to the point it's been annoying to our children, um, is that we, we've we really parented for our children's future spouse, talking to them about that. We've parented, you know, as far as just thinking about a future career and work ethic and, um, you know, even to them as far as just thinking about who they will be as a parent someday. So being future thinking more than just financially and, you know, setting them up financially. Yeah. So that's good because you're, what you're, you're combining there the providing aspect of teaching your kids what you are doing and what they need to anticipate in what they're doing. Um, so I said providing, a father's a provider and a protector. So just a couple comments about b- protecting. John Piper used to make this point by saying, if a husband and wife are awakened in the night by a noise, a husband doesn't tell his wife to take the bat and go downstairs and see who it is because last night he did it. You know, he 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 always is a protector. It's part of who you are. And I say this because I think sometimes in the culture we're living in today, man, realize your strength and your fight and that part of you that um, is— going to take on whatever it is that might threaten your family. It's not your wife's natural bent to do that. She needs you to do that. 
But Piper says that. It's funny when he says it. Yeah, if you told me it was my turn, we're out of luck. <laughs> no. I, and I would never do that. And that's the point of it. I wouldn't, ne- you know, I'm too tired tonight, dear. Will you go see if there's an intruder? I would just never do that. It wouldn't cross my mind. No, it wouldn't. I'm the protector. And mm-hmm. so it goes without saying. So let's go on to a father shows his children how to embrace the hardness and harshness of life in a fallen world. I don't have a scripture for this, but I want to make the point because it's especially relevant in our current culture where rescuing our children all the time from difficulty seems to be normal. Mm-hmm. I don't know what it is, but we've, we've, we've become this way as, and I'm speaking of, you know, kind of our peers age, but, um, Children need to experience difficulty when they're at home so that when they do go out in the world, they're better prepared. Older children who still live at home like preteens or teenagers can be too coddled in today's world. They need to experience difficulties and parents need to let them. A father can be very loving and gracious and kind as he gives chores to his children, as he allows them to participate in strenuous activities, things like learning an instrument or working in a job or playing a sport, having um, natural consequences when, when, when they do wrong. Those are all good, normal things that you want your kids to experience the difficulty. Hovering over children and rescuing children from every challenge and difficulty is harmful to children. I think about that many times throughout, um, you know, our son Taylor's life, you would say, I mean, I I would maybe feel bad for him about something or I want to go help him. And you would you would say to me, you know, Danina, someday he is going to have on his shoulders, you know, a job. He's going to have a wife and a family and, you know, a lot a lot to carry. And I mean, this, this is preparation for him. And one of the, and it helped me for you as his father, because as a mother, right? I'm not, I'm not even thinking about that without you telling me that. I mean, that, that would be very, that helped me be forward thinking. And, and what it, what it does is that it allows you while your child is at home to encourage them to coach them, especially as they get older. You wouldn't do this with a toddler, but as your kids get older, more and more you want them to experience things, both boys and girls. Mm -hmm. Because unfortunately, our girls, you know, they face really hard things. And so I know it's harder for me with Elise than it is Taylor to allow some of the hard things in her life, Mm -hmm. right? And you Mm -hmm. help me with that. And you say, honey... (laughs) Would you do that with Taylor? And so it's allowing her, because my natural bent, just like it would be with you, is to to take care of you. It's important with both children. But I would say it's it's very important with both children. I was about to say especially with sons. But I just think it's important with both children that they experience that. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, part of what you're just saying there is that we, you know— Fathers and mothers need to teach our children how to persevere. Mm-hmm. I mean, how to suffer well. Mm-hmm. I think often about we've worked very hard to try and give our kids a biblical perspective about suffering. I mean, who God is in their suffering, um, and then you know to practically do it. I I mean, we're not just sending them out there to the wolves. I mean, it's there are times I can still remember. 
you know, one time Taylor had to make a phone call for a job situation when he was in high school. I mean, he, or might have even been he closer 14, to junior high. He was 14. He started working and very terrifying. young. Yes. And I mean, you told him he had to do it. He had to make the phone call, but you talked him through it. You helped him write down what he wanted to say so he could feel more prepared. I mean, you just didn't throw him out there. You helped him be prepared for that. And then, you know, you pray with him and then you, you know, encourage him as he steps into it. And it gave him confidence that this, this is how you can do it. And he did it. And so. And and the and you know, and now that's the way he makes his living, and he's constantly having to do that. But again, it, it emphasizes the importance of you do it while they're home and you help them because they are going to face the wolves. I mean, our kids are going to face the wolves. So, um, I have a great quote. Why don't you read it from J. Oswald Sanders? It says God does not give us overcoming life; He gives us life as we overcome. The strain of life is what builds our strength. If there is no strain, there will be no strength. Are you asking God to give you life, liberty, and joy? He cannot unless you are willing to accept the strain. And once you face the strain, you will immediately get the strength. That is good. Mm -hmm. God's strength provided to us in our weakness. Very biblical. So I want to mention one other thing as we're wrapping up here in really our whole talk here. The rest of this moves fairly quickly, but but wrapping up about the father's actions with his children. And I just want to mention the different impact a father has on daughters and the different impact a father has on sons. So this is from fathers.com. Um, why don't you read the daughters and then I'll read the one I put down here. Um, and we've talked about on sons, but the kind of impact of a father has on daughters. So there may be many things that you want to tell your daughter, but you have to earn the right to speak, fathers, by listening first. She wants to be heard, and if all her dad does is lecture, she'll grow frustrated and probably seek out other people who will listen and offer her counsel, and there's no way of knowing what they will choose to tell her. Also, don't underestimate your influence, fathers, as a role model. As a girl tries to figure out what men are like, the first one she watches is her daddy. You can be one very significant example of a man who is consistent, trustworthy, and sensitive to feelings, who places his family as a high priority, and who keeps promises, and one who invests in the lives of those around him. So listen first, be a role model second, and then finally, don't hesitate to show your daughter, um, show her affection. If you don't, she may think you don't care or that something's wrong with her. Your daughter needs to know that you cherish her as a person, you admire her as a lovely young woman. And then make it clear that although you find her beautiful, she is more attractive because she is unique, gifted, and a worthwhile person. So you're looking at the beauty on the inside, affirming that as well as on the outside. So daughter's very important. Your father's very important place you have in impacting your daughters. That's from fathers.com. And then a word about a father's impact on sons. And for this, I want to refer to some reading that I've done through the years that John Eldridge pinpointed one of the most important questions every man asks of himself in his formative years is especially, do I have what it takes? I think all men ask this question. 
That was all, one of the first things they taught us in graduate school. All men ask this mm-hmm. question. Do I have what it takes? Can mm-hmm. I do this? And I think a father has a tremendous impact by seeing and communicating to his son what he sees in him. Tell him. He helps his son grow in confidence in having what it takes in his work life and his home life. Now, this is important to do with both sons and daughters, but I think especially sons, you're imprinting fathers upon your son's soul, if you will, what you see. And just being with dad teaches them much about how to interact with their world. Books have been written about the inner wound that men may feel when a father's absent, and it does happen. That occurs. So I believe that just as every daughter wants to experience her dad's involvement and care, every son aches for for hearing his father's voice, for the companionship, and for the belief that a dad can offer. So uniquely impacting your sons. And John Eldridge's book, Wild at Heart, mm-hmm. um, really, I think, does a good job addressing that. Yeah. So let's go to the last thing we want to say in this podcast, and that a father's action goes beyond his wife and children. I think a good father should think beyond his home for the sake of his wife and children. Help your family see that God intends to use your family and then them as individuals beyond just what happens you know, to, to your own family. A father wants to ensure that his family goes to church and is involved, that he's worshiping with other believers, that he's, that they see the importance of the, 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 the community of believers and what you're taught and, and how you're encouraged and what the scriptures have to say. I think a father should be attentive to others like widows and orphans. We're called to do that. There are many people in need that your family can help be involved in. And of course, you have a... Right now, we live in this pandemic world where, I mean, there are so many people in need. And, and you know, maybe, maybe you know, the wife is more of a visionary like that. So, so dads, don't put it down when she comes up with ideas and says, hey, what about so-and-so? Let's care for so-and-so. How you handle that, fathers, and your positive, you know, uh, attitude about doing that is really important. Um, and then I think the, the last thing beyond his wife and children um, is that he— the father is a certain kind of person in his work world. That it's not just at home you're this way, but you're this way every day at work. You're a certain kind of person. Um, and then we have one final point, I guess, and that is something I think is important in our culture today. Um, that a father models for his children one of the basic commands, and that is honoring elders and honoring parents. That's a biblical command. Children, obey. Children, honor your parents. And that goes on through all of life. And I think towards the last days, it's one of the things that Paul tells Timothy um, is a problem. Mm -hmm. And it's especially a problem. I mean, it, it can especially become a problem the way that adult children treat their adult parents. Mm-hmm. Um, while I was in my parents' home, I was to obey them until I left their home. But we never stop honoring our parents and treating them with the respect due to them and their place in life and the place that they've had in our life that God 
use them to bring us along. And this is God's command. And um, it's foolish not to obey this uh, from a practical standpoint because we forfeit wisdom from their life experience. We forfeit often healthy relationships with grandkids that our parents can can give to them. So um, just a, a couple of verses about a father honoring his parents or his wife's parents. Exodus 21, 17 says, whoever curses his father or his mother shall be put to death. That was made to adult children. Uh, Proverbs 23, 22, listen to your father who gave you life and do not despise your mother when she is old. And then Proverbs 20, 20, if one curses his father or his mother, his lamp will be put out in utter darkness. Those mm-hmm. are strong words. And then I think you have some some closing thoughts on this. Well, I think we have to look at the you know side of this where you may be somebody out there saying that you really can't honor your parents because that would be excusing or enabling destructive or abusive behavior. And maybe you're somebody that, you know, has grown up in that type of a home. Um, But biblically, there are still many ways each of us can honor our parents or people in authority in general without excusing sin, without enabling. And I think just a few things. um, As a believer, first, we have to remember that we're recipients of Jesus showing his love for us through death on the cross while we were yet sinners. Mm. Um, I mean, we're a recipient of that grace and that love toward us. And so sometimes I think if we have an arrogance or, you know, a proud spirit toward our parents, um, maybe we've forgotten that who we are, really, mm-hmm. and that we're recipients of that. And, you know, that it's it was given to us while we were yet sinners, not once we had our act together. So the question then becomes, what does love really look like? And that's going to be different in each unique situation. So I encourage you to pray and ask God to show you what would love look like? Um, I mean, God's ask, ask us to, you know, love others. So just in general. So that also includes parents. So what would it look like? And it's most likely not going to be found in extremes of either avoiding on one end or enabling on the other. Um, it's going to be found in the middle. What that love looks like. I like that though. You're 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 calling adult children to be very thoughtful and not just give up mm-hmm. on their parents, but to engage with this as adults. And how do I honor them, even though this is difficult? This this is challenging. Mm-hmm. So. What else so that would have? be the first thing. Um, secondly, I would say sometimes honoring parents is is more than anything. It's just an internal work, uh, especially if you've come from like, I mean, maybe you grew up with an alcoholic mm-hmm. parent or a drug addict parent or abusive parent. I mean, sometimes it's just um, starting with what we can control, which is our own hearts and our attitudes. And maybe it's a matter of we, got to, we need to grieve losses in those relationships. Maybe we honor parents by working through the process of forgiveness and then really thinking through and setting up realistic expectations based upon who that parent is today, not who they were in the past, not who we're afraid they might become, but um, I mean, who they are, uh, you know, actually today. So I do know if we don't do the work of forgiveness or deal with our own hearts, it's easy for any of us to find ourselves like the wicked servant in Matthew 18, where, you know, we're trying 
um, to punish someone. And if if you're thinking about parents here, I mean, are you trying to make your parents pay? If if you're trying to make your parents pay, then that's not honoring, and that means you haven't done this internal work. So boundaries are one thing, but punishment is another. And in the story in Matthew 18, it says that God turns the servant over, and he calls him a wicked servant, over to the tortures until he would forgive from his heart. So um, forgiveness and trust are two different things, but you, you know you you may need to do that internal. And, and work. if I can add, so the the work is necessary if you're going to be an adult with your parents you've you're you're leaving father and mother and you have become an adult and too often when there's not forgiveness or this lingers on then it's you're still relating to your parents in the same way you did when you were living in their home mm-hmm. you must leave and and cleave to your spouse and then be an adult with your parents and in some ways, you may feel like you're being the parent, but you're not really. You're just being a fellow adult with them by honoring them, as you're calling us to think about. So sometimes honor your parents may just be internal work. Ask God what internal work he might be wanting to do in you. I mean, you're the only person that you can change, fix, or control. So um, you're giving God permission to do that. And then one can always obey God's word in these situations and pray for your parents. I mean, even, you know, the Bible calls us to pray for our enemies. Mm -hmm. So if that falls into, Mm -hmm. you know, how you feel toward your parents, pray for your parents. We can be obedient to God's word by not returning evil for evil. Um, We're all called to live out of the spirit and not out of the flesh. So if you're around your parents or thinking about your parents, um, you can live out of the spirit, not the flesh. Um, Speak kindly to them, um, represent Christ to them. I mean, maybe they don't even know Christ if they do know Christ. I mean, represent who Christ is by how you speak, your words, your behavior. And at whatever level you can, um, honor your parents by staying in relationship with them. And sometimes that can just be sending, you know, pictures of your kids on the phone to them. So they're part of their grandchildren's life, even if it's kind of from a distance or, you know, sending cards or being thoughtful. I mean, maybe um, it it may just be you meet at a restaurant and have time together, but it's limited time. I mean, it, if, if parents aren't in a healthy place, but we can always honor our parents. And then remember that I always think in those scriptures you're talking about are pretty serious, but we're modeling behavior for how we'd like our own children to treat us someday. And I think often that is not thought about and, and in I, the middle of it. So, and, and I like that we're landing the plane here and we're going back to being fathers and mothers as we would honor our parents, and it, it'll come back on you. Use some common sense here. Mm-hmm. I mean, God's commands make sense, but this is God's command. And I would just add, too, that if you're involved with a spouse, you need to you need to honor your spouse's parents. Mm-hmm. You need to be sensitive to where it's difficult for them and for you. Fathers provide leadership here for your spouse. And and be that protector sometimes that's required. I mean, I think if a couple feels mm-hmm. safe, the wife or the husband, you know, feels safe in the marriage and then they go spend time with the parents, as long as they have each other and are on the same team, 
they they can do it, um, even in pretty hard situations. I mean, we see that all the time. But this is why, you know, husbands or fathers loving your wife is important. Yeah. Well, this is the final one. We're, we're wrapped. We're, we're finished in this final fourth podcast. Again, if you haven't listened to the first three, then they're really foundational for what we talked about in this fourth one. But thanks for being with us. Um, we do believe that an ongoing need in America today is the place that God has given fathers. So um, we'll see you next time. All right. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining Worley and Danina today on the Redeemed Hearts podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode and are looking for more content from Worley and Danina, we encourage you to visit redeemedheartsministries.com. Hey, Worley and Danina want you to know that they are available for public speaking. If you're a pastor or ministry leader and would like to have Worley and Danina speak at your church, a retreat, a conference, or you would like to do a custom event with Worley and Danina, please reach out via the contact page at redeemedheartsministries.com. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Please rate and subscribe the podcast on iTunes and Spotify and share this episode on social media. Please feel free to reach out and contact us through the website. God bless.